for singing tonight. Good to have the college students home. Always enjoy having them here and catching up with all that's going on in the college life. And that's always interesting to me. Would like to say uh, this is, how do I say this? this? I don't know what I'm saying, all right? You say, well, that's common. Um, this has nothing to do with the church, but it does. Okay, let, let me t take a step back. In the last few weeks, I've talked with different people, people who are not associated with this church, and they were not talking about this church, okay? But over the last little while, I've had conversation with people, and they had one of two comments about the churches that they had attended. And the t one of the two comments was, one, several of them said, those people were so friendly and just made us want to come back again and again. And the other one was, nobody even talked to us while we were there. We stood there, and nobody even said hi. We sat all by ourselves, and, we, and boy, I don't, just don't know about that. Now, what am I trying to say to you? People make decisions based more on that, about where they're going to church, than sometimes than the preaching itself. They get they, they come, and they, whether they feel comfortable or not. So it is important for us to make visitors feel welcome. I, I'm sure that many of you do a great job. Maybe all of you do a great job. I don't know. Uh, I'm just telling you, try to step outside of your box a little bit. If you haven't been doing that, uh, people need a high. People need a glad to see you here. People need a few questions on just some politeness, and maybe ask them to sit with you even if they they're, don't have anybody to sit with. Uh, just a little bit of that actually goes a long ways in helping people feel comfortable um, in a service. And so, anyway, you may be doing a wonderful job. I've never had any complaints, actually, about the church. Uh, but uh, just uh, it just kind of struck me when especially somebody this week said, man, those people were so friendly at that church that they had attended uh, that I thought, yeah, maybe I ought to mention that just to kind of encourage. Uh, yeah. I had... I heard somebody many, many, many years ago at this church say, nobody's friendly at the church. Nobody ever talks to me. And that person had been here like 20-some years. <laughs> like, no, wait a second. You're supposed to be the friendly one. You're supposed to be the one. The visitors are not going to come up and say, how are you doing today? All right? Just so you know. Uh, so anyway, I appreciate all that you do and, and taking care of visitors. Uh, just make it a point to be friendly to people and let the Lord use you to draw people uh, to himself. We're in John chapter number 6 tonight. John chapter number 6. I don't know if I'm going to wa wander around tonight, but I'm going to move this. It is. It would be a tragedy to, to break it right before it goes into storage. Once again, I do appreciate all the decorating and so forth that went on for Christmas and all the, the work that goes into all the... I hope that the church seems like it runs seamlessly and flawlessly. I hope that that's the appearance that it gets, but there is a lot of things that take place in order to make everything operate, and I appreciate everybody who does that. We're in John chapter number 6. Tonight is going to be a very simple thought. And to be honest with you, it actually came during the morning service. While I was sitting there listening to the music and the Bible reading and so forth, this thought kept nagging at me. And so 
I have to push that. I kept kind of pushing it aside because I've got work to do here and I, my, I was focused on what I had to do. And so I was kind of pushing that simple thought off to the edge uh, so that I could think, consider it this afternoon. So I trust that this very simple thought will be a blessing tonight. We're in John chapter number 6. We have the feeding of the 5,000 here. The story is also recorded in Matthew chapter number 14, Mark chapter number 6, and Luke chapter number 9. There's also a similar story, the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15 and Mark chapter number 8. But tonight we'll be in John chapter number 6. We'll read the first 15 verses. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover of the feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said unto, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself, alone. When we were in Israel, when Dad took us a few years ago, evidently we were at the spot where this um, event took place. And I don't know if it was one of the guides, I don't know if it was our guide or one of the people who was just stationed there at that particular spot, was explaining the spot we were at. And his explanation of this story went something like this. At this particular spot, there are, partic there are certain minerals that attract the fish to this one section of the, the Sea of Galilee. All I heard after that was blah, 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 blah. Because that was the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard. Obviously, the passage is not talking about a fish fry. They were not casting nets for the fish. The fish did not clean themselves and jump into the basket already fried. His explanation, the explanation just had no bearing on reality. So, I didn't listen. And beyond, the fish all gather here because of the minerals that are in the water. That explanation of this story, this event, has no sense. I'm trusting that by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
we can do much better than that tonight. So let's let the Holy Spirit teach us from this particular passage of Scripture. Let's pray. Title of this evening's message, Just a Little Piece of Bread. Just a Little Piece of Bread. Let's pray. Father, we commend ourselves to you, knowing that if you would smile down upon us and let your Spirit do what he is capable of doing, our lives could be changed in a moment, transformed. If we could see what we ought to see, Father, if you would help us, obviously we should be able to see it on our own, but we can't, Father. We're just blind little children. And so we ask that your spirit would illumine your word tonight and make it, cause it to make a difference in our hearts. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's our plan for tonight on this particular passage of Scripture. We'll review the story so it's clear in our mind. Then we will consider the outcome of the story, and then we'll apply it. And we'll do that all in less than a half an hour, Lord willing. It's pretty straightforward, so let's get after this. We'll, pull, we'll, we'll discuss this thing, and we'll pull details that are not in this passage, but are, some of them will be in the companion passages. So we'll pull them all together and try to get a synopsis of what actually happened here. A large crowd of people have followed the Lord out of the city into a sparsely populated area. This passage tells us there was a lot of grass there. It's good that they were out of the populated area because whenever you get a large crowd, you'll, you'll find that the shopkeepers in that area, the, the landowners in that area, things get broken. The, land, the, the tenants get upset because crowds, even though they don't mean to be uh, disruptive, they don't mean to be destru destructive, and sometimes they are meaning to be destructive, but even when they don't mean to be destructive, they actually have damage, and it creates a disturbance and a distraction. And so it was good that they were in a solitary place. In this solitary place, the crowd has spread out some, and I just lost my mic. I heard it go. Where is it? <laughs> there it is. Sorry about that. All right. The crowd is spread out, but they have heard of the Lord's marvelous healings. And so they have come to see for themselves. And some of them actually come to be healed themselves. If you had a disease or something that was something wrong with you and you couldn't find any help, wouldn't you go? So they followed the Lord out into this place to watch him heal and to be healed. So the Lord is healing and teaching all day long. It's getting toward the evening hours. And the disciples believe it's time to start winding this thing down. Let's start shutting down before it gets too late. We need to get this shut down so the people can get back to town so they can get something to eat. And the Lord says, basically, let's feed them. And then he asks him a question, where could we buy enough bread for them to eat? Where could we buy some food? Now, Philip is pretty quick with his math. He looks out over the crowd. He sees there are 
section. Okay, we find out later there's 5,000 men. And so he's doing a quick math. That's not including women and children. So you're probably at a number of 20,000 people. He's looking out there, doing his quick math, starts figuring out the cost of bread. And he says, with a crowd this size, if we had 200 penny worth of bread, we couldn't even give every person a little bit to taste, much less feed them and satisfy them. Now, in Matthew chapter number 20, we find that this word penny is used to describe what? A day's wages. So Philip just says, if we had 200 days' wages, we could not even begin to feed these people. Not everybody would even get a taste if we spent that much money. So the Lord tells them, go and see what food there is. See if we have any food at all. No, he, he's, he's told them to, to, you know, where can we buy food? They didn't have 200 pennies. They didn't have 200 days wages in their little sack. They couldn't have bought it, and there wasn't anywhere to buy it even if they had the money. But he sends them out to find some food. And what do they have? They come back with one boy with a sack lunch. It's his personal sack lunch. So it's not five loaves of bread like you buy from the store or your, the loaf of bread that your grandma used to bake in the oven. We're talking about five little loaves, what we might call small biscuits. He also has a couple of fish, and they're described as small fish. Okay, so you've got small fish and five little biscuits. It's a sack lunch for a boy, not groceries for a family. That's all the food they can find. Now, the Lord has them sit down in an orderly fashion. He prays over the food and thanks his father for it. Then he starts, put this in your mind, he starts breaking this food apart and giving some to each disciple. Five biscuits, how many disciples? <laughs> okay. <laughs> to think about what the, look like a communion cracker in my mind, okay. He breaks off this little bit. You have five biscuits given to 12 disciples. You have how many fish? Two little fish broken in half, broken into 12 parts. Now, then he tells them to start <laughs> passing this out. Now, get that in your mind. It's not very big pieces to start with. Imagine the surprise of the people when the first row gets fed. And they start into the second row. And they're like, wow, this is what's going on here. And when they're all said and done, everybody who wanted it has had seconds, maybe even thirds. And everybody is full to the gills. Now, they can't eat anymore. <coughs> I'm glad that we live in America. We live in a place where food is very plentiful. We eat to the full. And the, the reality is, basically, when we start eating, we're really not very hungry. We might think, oh, I think I ought to eat something. And we're not actually very hungry. And then we eat to where we're full. 
But the distance from not very hungry to full isn't very far. But consider in a society where you don't eat to where you're full all of the time. You don't get enough food to eat. How much food could you put away if it was all free and you could eat as much as you wanted and you don't know about tomorrow? I am guessing that these people were packing it away. And they just keep passing it back and forth. They keep spreading it out. They keep giving this food and everybody is eaten till they cannot eat anymore. Then I think the Lord does something that's both interesting and revealing. He's just taken five little biscuits and two little fish and multiplied them enough that they can feed 5,000 people. We, in our mind, we say effortlessly, almost from nothing, comes enough to feed 5,000 people. They're all full. What does the Lord say at that point? Gather up the leftovers. We don't want to waste any of this. This food has a use, and we don't want to waste it. I think we should do some considering on that. That reveals something to us in our mind. Well, he could have just created another whole you know, 5,000 food meal. He could do that. But he says, make sure that we gather up all of this that's left over so that it is not lost. I <coughs> might want to think on that a little bit. Of course, the crowd is overwhelmed by this obvious miracle, and they are convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt, this is the promised prophet who's, been, who's long, we've been, it's been foretold that he's coming, this is him. He is the king that we've been looking for, and we are going to make this happen. I don't know if they planned on vacating somebody else's throne or creating a new throne, but they were going to take him by force and put him on a throne. The Lord knew what they were thinking. He knew that this is not what was needed, nor this was the time. And so, as he did so often, he slips quietly into the mountain and he's all alone again. Now that's the story. Familiar to you. You've heard it in Sunday school a bunch of times. Now, let's consider the outcome. Let's consider the outcome from the point of view of the biscuit. From the little piece of bread. Let's consider the outcome from that vantage point. The biscuit that was in that sack was not some special biscuit. It didn't have any special properties. It was just like all, I was trying to contemplate how much bread has been consumed in the world since the beginning till, I was trying to consider how much bread I have consumed. I went home and ate four slices of bread. I had two peanut butter sandwiches for lunch today. So there's four biscuits myself. That doesn't sound to you like Sunday dinner. <laughs> I told Carol on the way home. Two requirements. It's got to be easy, and it can't require any brain power, because I don't want you working on lunch today. Let's just, we're going to take it easy. So she said, well, I have some soup. I said, two peanut butter sandwiches is what I want. 
So I ate my biscuits, my four biscuits today. That's what's in this kid's lunch. Not something special, just four regular biscuits like everybody, the trillions of biscuits that have been made and eaten all over the planet. That biscuit started its day, probably packed by loving hands of the kid's mother. The intention of that biscuit, along with the other four biscuits and a couple of small fish, was to feed a growing boy. That was the intended purpose for that food. Now, let's be realistic and honest. Is there anything wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with the mom preparing a sack lunch for her son and him toting it down to wherever he was going so he'd have something to eat during the day. If that little boy had eaten that sack lunch, would that have been a problem for him? Would that have been something wrong for him to have done? No, he could have consumed that sack lunch in, earlier in the afternoon and nobody would have said, why'd you eat that food? Nobody would have questioned it. Nobody would have said anything about it. It would have been fine because that was its intended purpose. Nobody would have thought negatively concerning the boy. But for whatever reason, that boy had not chosen to eat his lunch yet, and the biscuit was put into the hands of the Lord. Its outcome was going to be to feed one boy. If it would have been for this intended purpose, it would have been food for that one boy for one day. He may or may not have been full. You know that, right? With five biscuits and two little fish and a growing boy, may or may not have been full. But when it was placed into the hands of the Lord, the biscuit has an entirely different story. So let's list the outcome from the standpoint of the biscuit Let's list the outcome of this. Number one, that biscuit allowed the Lord to teach longer. Now, jump the mental hoops with me here. The biscuit allows the, the Lord to teach longer. The Lord was teaching and healing. Do you think that he got so involved in the teaching and healing and all that that he lost track of time? We often do this. I do this all the time. Oh, man, I haven't eaten supper yet. It's supper time, and I've been so busy, I've just totally forgot. Do you think that the Lord got so involved that he all of a sudden looks up and looks around and says, Man, it's time to go. These people are going to be hungry, and there's no place to eat. It cannot be that the Lord would say, oh, sorry, they, because they taught him, he taught so long, and they were wanting to listen to him, that now they're going to suffer and faint on the way back home. The Lord knew, according to this passage of Scripture, all of the time what he was going to do. He knew the biscuit was out there. He knew he was going to feed everybody. And so he teaches longer than maybe he would have because... He knows that the food is going to be there and they are not going to suffer from listening to him. So we can, in essence, say that the biscuit allowed the Lord to teach longer. Number two, the boy got filled. It's very important to note. I suppose when this young boy gave his sack lunch, he was expecting to see something cool. 
something interesting done with it. But I don't suppose he expected to eat. He's giving it away and he's going to see something great happen with this, but I don't suppose he was expecting to get to eat. But this is what we, is always true of the Lord. We never lack in the things that we give to him. This boy gave his lunch. It may or may not have filled him. I have seen teenagers eat. Five biscuits and two little fish aren't probably going to do the trick. But this food that was intended to fill the boy was given to the Lord. And he ends up more full than if he had eaten it for himself. I think that's interesting to note. He's got it. He could have eaten it. But by giving it away, he's actually more full than if he'd had just eaten the lunch himself. Number three, it fed the multitude. Not only does it accomplish its original intention, but it also met the need of probably close to 20,000 people. So it feeds the boy, which all was it intended to do, but it also feeds the multitude. Number four, it fed the Lord. We find it hard to think in terms of the Lord in, in terms of his humanity. We so often think of him in terms of his Godhead, and right we should. But the fact of the matter is, God became flesh. And when he became flesh, he took on what we call sinless human infirmities. Things that were not sinful, but difficulties, infirmities that human beings have. And one of those is being hungry. We find several times the Lord stating that he was hungry. Now, if the Lord has been healing people and teaching all day long, what do you suppose he is at the end of this time? He's hungry. He is a normal human being. He has normal human tendencies, and he's hungry. Now, I do not believe that if there was only a little bit of food, he would not have been the first one to grab, well, I'm going to eat because I'm hungry. If there would not have been enough, I don't think that the Lord would have eaten. But when everybody was filled, and there's 12 baskets we're going to find out left over, I think it's reasonable to assume that the Lord also ate of that food. It would have been a normal human thing and a necessity of his. And so we find that that biscuit fed the Lord. Number five, it fed people later. There were 12 baskets of food left over. I don't know who got the food, but I know that what was not left on the ground and it wasn't wasted. Those 12 baskets of food were enough to feed quite a few people. But everybody there, there was nobody hungry in that whole crowd. Everybody had already eaten all they could possibly eat. So somebody took home 12 baskets of food. And somebody benefited from that in the days coming. People were fed later. Number six, it allowed the Lord to demonstrate who he is. It's what miracles are always done by the Lord, to, to change a crowd and demonstrate who he is. These people had an obvious need. They were hungry and there was nowhere to buy food. And that biscuit was a means of meeting that need in a way that would demonstrate the power of the Lord Jesus. 
and they could understand what he was doing. They knew their need, and they could see that he took this one, these five little biscuits and broke them and met the need. They can see this obvious miracle, and it allowed them, the Lord to demonstrate who he is. And number seven, it allowed people to be drawn to the Lord Jesus. You know, on that day, people's minds were changed. People who weren't sure who the Lord was became sure who he was. They realized that he was the promised one because of the events that had taken place. So the biscuit had two paths. One, it could have fulfilled its intended use and feed that one boy for that one day. The other, it could be put into the hands of Jesus Christ and be used for things that are literally beyond comprehension. So there we have the outcome. Now let us briefly make an application. If you're thinking at all, you're already way ahead of me on this, but since it's New Year's Day Eve and you've been up and you've spent all the holidays, you might not have gotten this far, so let's walk through it very quickly. In this world, there are some, actually very few, who think that they are something special. There are a few, not very many, who think they are the creme de la creme, is that how you say that? Who think that they are gift, the gift to humanity? Who think that they are all that and then some? You know what I'm talking about? There are a few people in the world like that. Not very many, but there are a few. And what you'll find is most of the people who act like that are only doing it to cover up for the fact of what they really think of themselves. That's the reality of it. Joe Baker, are you one of those? <laughs> I, I just saw Joe raise his hand over here. Joe Baker thinks he's all that and then some. But other than, so we have one in the crowd. Anybody else want to say, I'm like Joe? <laughs> There are very few people who would consider themselves that. In fact, when you really deal with people, you find out that most of the people do not think of themselves as being, hello. Is your blood sugar bad, John? <laughs> He needs that biscuit right now. <laughs> or that or a lollipop, one of the two. <laughs> what you'll find is if you actually deal with people, most people do not consider themselves on the top of the heap, but more toward the bottom half. They do not consider themselves something special, but something normal or below average. They would not describe themselves as a T-bone steak or French silk pie, but would be comfortable being described as a crust of bread. Nothing special, nothing fancy, nothing unlike the other seven billion commonplace people who co-inhabit co the planet. We are just like 
those five biscuits in that little boy's sack lunch. Not something special, just an ordinary crust of bread, as it were. Now, I have to tell you, when I was a youth pastor, I used to attend a lot of youth meetings, and I heard a lot of youth preaching. And I heard it said many times, a guy would look out in the crowd and he'd say, I am just amazed at the potential that's out here in front of me. After you have dealt with teenagers for a long time, you don't say that anymore. Not very often anyway, because what you see is just as big a potential for evil. You see it, this could go either way. And to be, oh, this, is, oh, this crowd could really do something for the Lord. Yeah, this crowd could really do something against the Lord, too. Okay, and so this whole thought of, I've got this great potential, isn't really accurate. But let's think tonight of your potential. Because before you lies the same potential, the same outcome as that little boy's biscuit. You have that same potential. The reality is you can fulfill the basic intention of your life, that, your life that everybody expects. You could just live your life like is expected. You grow up, you get married, you get a job, you have a family, you go through the motions, you do, you work at a job, you retire, and you die. And people will come to your funeral and say nice things about you, and say he was a good dad, he was a good friend, he was a good this, he was a good that, and nobody will think ill of you, nobody will question you. You did what, if you did what you were supposed to do, you did what you were supposed to do. And nobody will have anything ill to say of you, nobody will second guess anything that happened in your life. You did it, you used it like everybody expected you to use it. What we might call the intended use of a life. To live. You can do that. Just like that little boy eating his own sack lunch. Nobody will question that if you do that. You eat your own sack lunch, and that's it. But you do have another option. You're just a small crust of bread, you're just a little biscuit. But you can put yourselves into the hands of the Lord. And think of the difference that that makes. The same difference that it had in the life of that biscuit between being eaten by the boy or being given to the Lord, the same difference can take place in your life. To where your life is used by the Lord, who knows what the Lord has in plan, what he will do if you would put your life into his hands. And that your life could be used on things that just would boggle the comprehension. This is what the Lord can do with this little brown biscuit, this little crust of bread. Let me tell you where it all boils down. 
the potential is not in the bread, it's in the Lord. Get your mind to wrap around that. The potential of your life is not in you, it's in him. And when you put your hand, your life into the hands of the Lord, that's where the potential lies. There is no end to what God can do. Who knows what he would do if you would put yourself in his hands. Sure, you can live your life and everybody will look and say, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You did a nice job. He was a good husband. He was a good this, that, or the other thing. You can take that normal path and nobody will criticize you for it. Or you can put your hands, your life, into the hands of Jesus Christ who is able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above all that you could ask or think. The potential is not in you. It's not in the bread. It's in the Lord. You and I are just a little crust of bread. Let's pray.